My name is Nate Phillips, and I am the champion of J.I.W. After our debut episode of season four took the world by storm, the high, yeah, that's right, the highest rated premiere in J.I.C.N. history, and it's all because of me, and this is my confidant, the man closest to me. Hit him with a little bit of that bubbly buckles. Check us out on Journey Into Wrestling, where the podfather and I run down everything from the bingo halls to the brightest delights. If it's in between the ropes, it's on Journey Into Wrestling. Every other Wednesday on the Journey Into Comics Network. What on earth is that? It's a Journey Into Comics Network production! What's really good, y'all? Uh, this is the pilot episode of the Lost Causes Social Club. It's uh, me and my friends, Mill and Steve. Actually, Steve isn't on this one currently, but he'll be around for the rest of them. Uh, anyway, we are discussing bands that have no bad music, um, all good albums. Tried our best to do bands that have like uh, at least four full-length records, like full-length studio albums. Um... We do go off the rails a little bit because it is me and Mill, and we are idiots, and we are filled with ADD and alcohol and caffeine. So, uh, yeah, thanks for checking it out, and uh, here we go. There's probably a lot of bands that like we people would expect us to mention, like Led Zeppelin or some shit, or like Pink Floyd, but like I don't fucking care. I like both of them. I actually think Led Zeppelin's discography is really good, but. I think like the thing is there's a bunch of like there's a bunch of popular opinions that are not necessarily wrong. Sure. But like people know that. Like if you look up like if you go on Stitcher or Spotify and look up like Led Zeppelin podcasts, there's going to be like a billion of them. Mhm. It's like because they've been around forever and you know what have you and that's fine. Like I I like Led Zeppelin, but like the thing to me is more or less like I wanted to talk about this because people are always like, oh, this is the best. And it's like, well, why? Why do you like something? Right. It's relative, but Cause, cause I, I definitely have opinions where I'm like, it's the best and you can't fucking say otherwise. That's definitely a thing I do. No, sure. But like, like yesterday I was, I made. OK, so I made the mistake of something you should never do. And that was go on Facebook. And just like in general, yeah, just, it's just, just terrible. <laughs> just the worst. It's the worst place on the internet. And um, that's true. One of our friends um, posted a thing. It was like, "What are your unpopular music opinions?" Just starting conversation. That was Josh. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, like mine." I I just mine was more like less like not really a crazy thing. I just said that I. Some something about like genre, like this, like describing genres. But somebody was talking about how Blink with Matt Skiba is way better than Tom, and people need to get their mm. head out of their asses. And I just asked him, like, "Hey, man, that's that's your opinion." But I'm like, "What's the best about it? Why do you like it?" And, and kind of some, you know, gave me some kind of half 
fast answer. And I'm like, all right, that's fine. So it's like when talking about bands that have like discographies where no record is bad, I guess that's like a different thing because there's a bunch of those. Yeah, true. But this is more like I like every record a lot. Yeah. Like they're not like, not like, oh, that one's like, that one's fine. But like, it's not objectively bad. But it's like, no, like these are like, I, I like them all. I like them all for different reasons. You know, stuff like that. And, and yeah. I like to stir up that conversation because then maybe I can learn something from you or somebody else or you could tell me, oh, well, I like it because of this. I'm like, oh, I never heard that. I never checked that part out like that or whatever, you know. Right. Now, you and I kind of hear a lot of the same stuff, but we also hear different things. Sure, sure. Like, um, I guess, like, we'll, we start talking about, like, NFG. Like, there is a specific NFG record that is good, but, like, it's really good, but I don't think it's worth a ton of listens at this point anymore. Which one, the radio surgery? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, okay, so I'm a nerd. You're going to hear me open a drink here. Uh, yeah. Is that, is that Diet Mountain Dew? Yeah. <laughs> Fucking cool. I need like a, I need like a, um, like a quick bit of caffeine because I'm so tired and I can't drink like, I had a, I had a Red Bull yesterday. I have a Red Bull like once every month or so. I stopped drinking energy drinks. Sure. But I can't drink, like, regular pop with all the sugar. Sure. Diet Mountain um, Dew is real nasty, though. <laughs> Mountain Dew is gross, but, like, my my palate is ruined from drinking, um, like, 40 fucking things of black coffee every day. Yeah, I feel that. Um, so I can't drink, like... I drink a ton of tea, but I didn't want to, like, steep a tea and whatever right now. But, yeah, right. the, the thing is, I'm a nerd, and I do a lot of back research, and... Chad Gilbert said on a podcast that he was ready to quit the band around the radio surgery time. Yeah. And that, like, that's why he did What's Eating Gilbert. And that he's probably, he's like, well, I'm probably not going to do any more What's Eating Gilbert because I like the NFG now. And I think a lot of that, they kind of hinted at, like, Steve being the reason. No no pun intended to his name, but... Uh, oh, yeah, Steve, that's his Twitter handle. They kind of, yeah, Texas is the reason, right? But... They kind of hinted at him, like, because Toby Morris said something like, yeah, well, after you guys took out the trash and did Resurrection. He said that? Yeah. That's so, awesome. So, like, to me, <laughs> I think it's important to understand, like, where a band is when they do a record. If you really want context on things. Yeah. And NFG is one of those bands where, like, if you're not a real big fan, you're just like, oh, yeah, they have 10 pop punk albums. But it's really interesting, like, to know, like, okay, this record is, you know, written by this person and this was going on in their life and things like that. And they have, they're, they're pretty open about it. Sure. So, I could... they absolutely do have 10 pop punk albums for sure, but they're all incredibly different. Every one of their albums is super different. Coming Home is kind of like. It's like it, a rock record, really. Yeah, it's like one of those things where if it wasn't NFG, it probably wouldn't be considered like a pop punk album. If it wasn't an NFG record, like this is going to sound stupid, but like I probably wouldn't have ever listened to it. Well, maybe, but they could have went on tour with like uh, um, something corporate. True. And, and it would have been, been oh, like, oh, wow, they're so sick. Yeah, and it would have been like fuck Jordan, the goddamn piano on stage or whatever. <laughs> it was sick. <laughs> I, that record's really good, though. Something Corporate is one of the bands I wanted to put on this list of bands that have don't like bad, like bad records, but they only have two full lengths, so it's super. I mean, not like it's not enough. There's so many bands that I love that have like only two or three full lengths, either because they're new or they just were a short-lived band. Yeah, like okay, 
then you might not be into this band, but here's something that's crazy to think about. Nirvana's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and they have three albums. That's wild. But they have um, other music, like B-sides and whatever. Yeah, they have like a couple live records and some like, acoustic shit, but the songs are still the same songs. Yeah, like their live record that's unplugged. That yeah. came out like in '94 after Kurt Cobain died, and like it charted like top. It was top of the charts. Like, right? That's nuts. Um, and it's like a live unplug. Like I like some of those. Like there's a couple of bands that have done that, but you don't think like, oh, that's gonna sell a million records or. <laughs> no, you don't at all. Granted, in 1994, you had to buy CDs. So. True. But yeah, it's True. it's it's weird. Like. For me, a band like NFG who has 10 full lengths and then they have the three uh, studio uh, cover records of like the movie sounds, uh, sound yeah. songs, and then they have like all these other, they have EPs and stuff. It's like I love NFG so much, but you can't get burned out. So it's nice to oh, like sure. be like, I want to listen to NFG. And, you know, I've listened to Sticks and Stones and Self Titled. I still love them, but I've listened to them a million times. If I'm like in a mood to put on NFG, I've listened to those two records so often that I'm probably going to go to something else first. Yeah, sometimes I'll shuffle all their songs until I find one I want. I'm like, okay, I'm going to listen to that record. Sure. But that just tells you that they're all good. They are all good. It just kind of depends on what you're in the mood for. Do you have a least favorite NFG record? If My, my least favorite, it might be Radio Surgery just because i feel like radio surgery it's not that the songs are bad or the recordings are bad it's just the time in their career see like nfg is a weird band for me because i was around for most of it but mm-hmm. i wasn't old enough to like go to the shows sure so like i have that nostalgia for like my friends over you being on trl for like 40 billion weeks in a row but <laughs> i didn't go to the shows and like when i was you know radio surgery era i saw i saw them a bunch on that cycle and it was kind of a weird vibe you sure. know what i mean i saw them on when they were touring radio surgery probably two or three times and, I, I think and they were it was cool they probably only played like two songs off that album when they were touring it that's true but like i think that that's something that for for people who go to shows a lot that plays into that like whole thing of like when you think about a band's record you love it's like i like lived a lot of album cycles where I went to sure. see the band. You know, story so far, when they did uh, Under Soil and Dirt, I only missed them once. So I think I saw them seven times on that cycle or something. Jesus Christ! So I mean, but it was a fun time, you know. Like I have good memories of that. Sure, but I think um, like back to NFG, it's like it's weird. Like you kind of can be like, all right, I want to listen to the heavier stuff or the classic stuff or. Um, like makes me sick is actually kind of like fun because it has like the synth like eighties. Makes me sick is a super like layered, thick, not not thick in like a heavy NFG way, but thick is just like there's a lot of atmosphere and texture and it's super shimmery and poppy. I think that's but gonna, it still sounds like NFG. I think think a lot like coming home, coming home where people liked it way later. I think that's gonna happen with makes me sick. I do too because there's really good melodies. But, like, sure. it's kind of an under-the-radar record. Yeah, I get that. Because, like, when they did Resurrection right away, we were all like, this is the sickest thing ever. Resurrection's my, probably my favorite NFG album. Or, I actually, it might be Not Without a Fight. I don't know. I don't know if I have, a, like, a single favorite. It's hard to be, like, not say Sticks and Stones because that record taught me how to, like, write songs. 
Sure. But that's also like kind of like I have a hard time with records that I've listened to a hundred billion times. Like it's hard for me to get excited saying that's my favorite record. It's like, yeah, me and everybody else. But not that it's a bad thing. It's just. So I remember when the new one leaked like two years ago or whatever. It wasn't that long, but it just leaked super fucking early. Um, you sent it to me and I listened to it at work and I was like, oh, this is the best thing they've ever done. Uh, fuck, fuck. And it's musically super good, super heavy, catchy. But the more I listen to it now and like listen to the lyrics, the lyrics on that album are fucking bad. <laughs> um, I mean, they're I think, super, super corny. I think a lot of that just has to do with Chad's influence on the lyric writing and where he's at with his engagement and stuff. Yeah, I mean, he's like super happy and peppy. He's going to write these happy, corny love songs. I mean, I like Himalaya so much, though. I love everything about musically about that record every song on that record at the end has this crazy slam yeah it's it's heavy and the tones are good because steve evitt's it sounds like, really good steve evitt's like he you know he did poison the well and fucking i think he did an every time i die record and whatever you know he, he knows what he's doing yeah but it's weird like that they didn't work with him earlier because he did like saves the day and a bunch of wonder years and like all these pop punk emo and whatever like that kind of weird scene where yeah. like like saves the day is kind of like we're sort of emo and sort of hardcore like that's exactly what newfound glory is <laughs> true so i know i'm the guy who bitches about people throwing emo around but you know saves the day is an emo band though so it's okay yeah pretty much they're like an emo like they're just emo snapcase or whatever <laughs> you know when they were like <laughs> back in the day that's true but uh other than nfg who else do we have on our list that's going to be the same well i know that they're on yours well, I think every time I die is uh, they're the, is the second one on my list. And com- NFG was the first. They're, yeah, they're a comparable band to NFG because they have like I think they're about to put out their ninth full length. Yeah, like similar career span, um, similar like honestly similar fan base. Yeah. Well, the thing about every time I die though is weird is they don't really have records where it's like how NFG has like coming home versus like Catalyst. It's just that they keep getting better, but they started off really good. Right. Like, I know a lot of people will... Okay, I am I have a different perspective on Every Time I Die for one reason. Whereas you didn't get into them right away. I actually was, like, outspokenly not into Every Time I Die for many, many years. I started, like, really realizing I liked Every Time I Die, like, six months ago. Yeah, well, fair enough. But <laughs> my thing, though, is you were around for all that. Oh, I've seen Every Time I Die so a couple like, times. So, for me, I've seen Every Time... I mean, I've played with Every Time I Die. Like, they're legends. They've been around forever. But... Like, Ashley and Chris, some of our friends who are big into them, especially Ashley, they have... She's so into them. They have um, a, uh, an attachment to some of the first couple records that I can't have because I wasn't going to shows then. Sure. So, to me, I kind of see them more for what they are as just an album, not as a time in their career. So I'm like, yeah, these are great, but I really like, you know, like I love X Lives a lot, and most people don't care about that one as much. I like X Lives, but I was going to shows then. I saw them a bunch on that, so it kind of it kind of plays into that mentality. But also, it's just really fucking heavy. Yeah, that's true. And every time, what do you think is their best record? Um, honestly, this is gonna sound really. People are gonna get mad. Objectively, I really think Low Teens is their best record. I do too, (laughs) because I think they keep getting better. Mm-hmm. Like here's the thing, you can take old every time I die and it's great, 
and they keep sure. that core, but they keep adding stuff to make it better. Some of it's production value, some of it's lyrics growing better, and you know, some of it's just, um, it's like variation and song structure that it's not just random, but it's different. If that makes sure. sense, because you know that kind of that style of music, it's just so it can be so all over the place. I think every time I die stays chaotic, but it's like organized chaos now. It's not just like riff, yeah. slam. They definitely like got more like structure to their songs. I think is the word I want to use. I also said structure very weird just then. So that well, it, it's like it's like better transitions. <laughs> the songs flow sure. like I'm yeah. Okay, there's more flow now. Yeah, I'm okay with a linear song. But I want it to flow. I don't want it to be like, okay, we're going to play this intro riff. Here's a fucking crazy stick note part. And then go into a slam. And then it's just like, like uh, circle pit part. That, that YouTube guy that's super cool. What's his name? Uh, uh, Finn McKinty calls songs like that riff salad. Yeah, that's exactly what it is, riff salad. I, I used to use that word a lot in solo when we were writing songs. Because I would say, we're not writing fucking riff salad. I would yell at my band. I mean, And like sometimes... When you're jamming, riff salad is fun, but when you're writing a collection of songs to put on a record, it's not a, a cool thing, and it's gonna happen here and there. Like there's no way around it. But well, if you and not to bring my own band into it, but if you notice, like I play in a metalcore band where they have like pop structure. Oh yeah, it's but, sick. But we don't sing, so it's kind of like fun to like have that dichotomy. But then we'll do a song like submission where there's no repeating parts, but you don't really think about it because I I like worked hard on making it flow because I listen to a lot of bands like every time I die and I'm like, okay, how can I make this linear song and make it flow? And I think every time I die does it, they, they do repeating parts and stuff, sometimes choruses and stuff, but they keep it interesting without you going, Oh my God, what the fuck is going on? Right. And that's why I think they're a great band is it's just, there's so much variety, but it's not hard to listen to. And like, once you get into it, sure. It can be hard if you're not into their style. And not just them, but there's all kind of bands that, you know, you have to learn to learn to listen to a little bit. Right, right. But um I mean, you know, that's 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 just like one of those bands where if you're into Every Time I Die, I've never heard somebody be like, Well, I like Every Time I Die, but this song sucks. <laughs> that's crazy. You but know? no, I I mean I said that for years, so fuck me. No, but I'm just saying, like, you you didn't like them though. Like, I've never no. heard a fan be like, "Oh, they're cool," but like, I don't like this one album or this song. I, mean, I just always talked about like I don't understand why all of y'all are so fucking into this band. I said that all the time <laughs> because we're from Indiana. And then one night, I forget. I think I was at work and I was listening to like uh, a daily mix and something came on and I was like, "Yo, sick! What's this?" And I was like, "Oh, oh shit!" So I went back and just started their discography from the first album and just kept going all the way through. Like, oh, yeah, this band fucking rules. If you're from Indiana, you have to, like, like every time I die and, like, A Day to Remember. <laughs> I like A Day to Remember quite a bit, actually, which, like, it sucks to admit because they're so, like, it's fucking A Day to Remember. Well, but, like, they're a fucking good band. No, I know, but I'm just saying, like, it's funny because it's, like, People's fandom of a day to remember, and every time I die in the region goes back before those bands were. Oh, for sure, because they would play around here when they were nothing. And right, it was cool. But you know, that's not a band that has a perfect discography, so I should stop talking about them. <laughs> <laughs> that's I'll talk about being all over the fucking place. Super true. Do we have anyone else on our list that's going to be the same? You think? I mean, I think we probably both have Kanye. I do. I do have Kanye. 
because like you know what's funny okay so it's the same thing that you said about every time i die i'll let you kind of run with this because you're a bigger kanye fan than i am sure but it took me a while not to get into his music like i always knew like i mean i remember when his first record came out and when his first record came out it was like (laughs) um it was like okay like yeah this is sick it was on mtv like the videos jesus walks and all that yeah but i was so like kind of caught up in the twitter thing where i was like i don't know if i like this guy sure but now i'm like no i love this guy like i i get it now <laughs> it's, it's kind of hard it's like kanye is kind of like a pro wrestler where they go out and they're kind of in character oh. in character sure and they like uh kind of do their bit and they talk shit on the microphone to the tv camera in front of everybody and everybody knows it's all for fun and you could be the bad guy but you could still cheer for him because it's for fun Sure. Like, I don't know if his is for fun. I just think he's like an actual crazy person with like a bunch of mental disorders. Yeah, but he's really smart. He's incredibly smart. He's like an actual genius, but he's like falling apart from the inside out. And instead of like his family and his entourage being like, yo, let's get this taken care of. They're just like, oh, okay. And let him fucking carry on. And it's kind of sad. Well, his family is not smart. Well, word. I mean, the Kardashian side of it. Sure. His mom's smart, but sure. from, from what I... And I'm only saying, like, anything I say, it sounds like an opinion. It's only because of research I've done and interviews and podcasts I've listened to. And, sure. You know, Kanye's a um, well-documented career, but I oh, just... Oh, very. I think, though, the reason that I like Kanye as much as I do musically, and, and I never thought about this until, like, recently when I was like, why? wow, I really like it. It's like... He's kind of like a person in a band where he makes the he's a producer. So he's writing yeah. the, he's writing the music and the lyrics to go together. Yes. It's not like here's a beat, rap on this. He does it all to be one cohesive thing and that's why it stands out over almost everyone's stuff and he's gone so much further than everybody. And it makes so much fucking sense and you know it's like you could tell like an uh a song that he'll do with like say okay, old Kanye with Jay-Z feature. Sure. He makes Jay-Z sound like shit. Absolutely. And it's not like nothing against Jay-Z, but it's just like, he's like, here's this beat I made. And Jay-Z's like, all right, I'm going to rap about how I'm on top of the charts. And then Kanye's rapping about how racism is still alive and you shouldn't be ignorant to it and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, Kanye is like really like making him look stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, to me, it's like anytime like Kanye West has something really like tragic happen to him in his life, he puts out a really great record. Like, um, he, he was gonna get married to uh, Amber Rose, and then his mom died, and then he made this really sad, mellow, somber, bummer ass album. And like, this is gonna sound super shitty to say, but like, it'd be kind of tight, like if his wife left him or something. So he made this really, really incredible record. Because everybody wants another eight oh eight. Yeah. It awaits was a fantastic record. It's an emo, it's def- it's, it's emo it's record. A, it's like the first emo rap album. Yeah. It's Which kinda, is tight. He's like Rapsy and Makai, sort of. He's absolutely Rapsy and Makai. He's also raps like Christian Hosoy. <laughs> Hell yeah. What did I call him, Travis Hosoy? That one time? <laughs> I think so, yeah. Like, I saw Christian Hosoy <laughs> in my, like, brain with his, like, Rising Sun like fishtail skateboard doing sure. some mute grab and i'm like oh yeah his name's travis and like i know it's not <laughs> i just had like a brain fart 
well, whatever. Because you know I was alive in the eighties, whatever. Which, I mean, like when Christian Hosoi was a pro skateboarder, I don't even think I was on Earth yet. You were so, like fuck t- it. maybe two or something. Right. Fuck it. It's fine. Um. But yeah, I think Kanye. It's kind of like you know you talk about bands like that have kind of a primary songwriter. Yeah. Like you know, um, a Blink One Eighty Two type band where Mark or Tom would write the songs that they would sing. That's kind of how Kanye is. He like uh, he writes the music so it works better with his lyrics. And I, th- right. I think that that's like an underappreciated skill in hip hop. It absolutely is. Because like you can be a good rapper, you can be a good producer. There's not many people who are both and better than everybody at both of them. I think, too, it's like guys who make beats, they kind of sell beats to whoever. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a band where it's like, I make the beats and you rap. Like, there are bands like that, groups like that, which sure. are sick. But, like, like Wu-Tang and stuff like that. But yeah, it's not like, oh, like, this guy makes all the beats and then I rap and then this guy, like, does this. And it's not, it's like, I think there, if there were hip-hop bands, I feel like there would be a lot of consistency in sound. Sure. But more individualized consistency versus everybody sounding like, oh, trap beats. Sure. And that's, again, this is kind of what i wanted to get into when discussing this stuff it's like why do i like kanye because this is why it's fucking sick yeah he does it himself he makes moody music and fits the mood with the lyrics and he's another artist who has released a ton of albums and they're all good and they are all incredibly different oh yeah for sure like super 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 different every one of them is so different i feel like he does a good job too of like sort of giving you a little bit of a feel of the previous album to ease you into it if that makes sure. sense like he doesn't alienate his fans no but once you get into the like the depths of it it's like oh shit like this is this is sick this is new true because it's like a lot of artists who have a lot of success they want to play it safe sure or the label wants them to play it safe and do a carbon copy of their big hit record but you know it's like the, the artist doesn't want to do that, and I don't want to listen to that all the time. Yeah, I'm not really crazy about that either. So, I mean, shout out Kanye, honestly. Absolutely, in any regard. Like, even when he's doing stuff that's not music-related, people are interested in it. Like, he made plain white t-shirts, and he sold them for, like, $400, and they sold out in an hour. Dude, he has, like, an outdoor traveling church. Like, have you, like, watched any yeah, of that shit? It's, it's bonkers. It's cool. It looks, I want to like, go. It actually looks like it would be really cool to go. It was in Chicago. I know. I know. Northly, I think it was at Northly Island. Island where I see huge bands there. <laughs> like, I'm, so I'm just laughing because it's, like, it's not funny. It's cool. But it's just, like, hilarious because you're, like, this guy is just on another level. Mm-hmm. And, like, he's all, like, a big-time, like, spiritual Christian now. And he released that gospel record. Yeah. And I'm like, this might be kind of lame. It's but that awesome. Record, it's so fucking good. And I watched an interview about him talking about, like, his faith. And even for people who aren't into it, he wasn't, like, telling you, like, you need to be Christian or whatever. He was like, yo, like, I made a lot of mistakes, but I learned that I shouldn't regret them. I learned that I have to learn from my lessons and be better and move forward. And, you know, if it's helping him through some some stuff, that's great. Because Which, yeah, That's cool. Because I feel like he, he talked about how celebrities, it just can get totally out of hand. And I'm like... You know, he's right? Trying to ground him. I mean, it's probably also nuts that he's married to like one of the most famous people in the world. 
They're, I feel like their children are going to be fucking weirdos. Like, they're going to have a, a bunch of problems. I mean, they probably have to shelter the shit out of them. They absolutely have to shelter the shit out because, of those kids. It, like, I used to kind of get, like, eh, whatever with Kanye on Twitter. But people get seriously bent out of shape and want to go after him, you know? Mikey just texted me and said he wants to be on and we're going to talk about smoking meat. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> I don't really know what to say about that since I don't eat meat, but I saw that you guys no, but, smoked. No, I've I've smoked meat with Mikey two weekends in a row. <laughs> I saw you guys had that like thirteen pound slab of meat. Well, because they came over last weekend and like I made ribs and brisket and shrimp, and uh, the next day Brian was like, "Yo, let's do it again in my house." I'm like, "All right, cool." So on Friday, I went to the grocery store after work, and I was gonna get like a five pound brisket because it's. Not a ton of people, and the smallest one they fucking had was thirteen pounds. I was like, ah, oh, fuck. Would you go to Costco or something? No, I, uh, the weekend before I went to Costco and got the five pound one. Costco is, like, has good deals on meat. They absolutely do because I got that five pound brisket for like twenty three bucks. I don't, uh, I don't know much about meat since I've been a vegetarian for like almost five years, but I do know they have good prices because when I worked at Costco. They would have this job you have to do where, like, every half hour you have to go check. Um, there's, like, every little section of every refrigerator and freezer in the whole store has a temperature, like a thermometer. Sure. Reader. And you have to, like, list of what they're all at at, like, every half hour on the dot. And I would, like, volunteer to go around with this clipboard and do that so I didn't have to do anything. I would imagine like that would probably take close to half an hour. So I feel like the guy doing that would just constantly circulating, writing numbers down. Well, like you like sweep and like write, like you kind of pick up trash and like do like little jobs while you're doing it too to be productive. And they want you to be quick, but like they would be like it's Saturday and there's five thousand people here, but we have to do this. So if somebody because if somebody gets sick eating their meat, yeah, they ha- they have to be like okay, well let's see your receipt. What time did you buy it? And then. Like what was our temper? You know, like they have to have all that legal. Yeah, because if they get if they get sick and everything adds up, okay, well this was fucking on you, peace. Right, exactly. So like I would volunteer and I would do a good job. Like I would actually make sure I did it right. Sure. And I was like, this is gonna get me out of fucking because I I not to get into my work stuff, but it's like I fucking worked retail for a very long time, and by the end of my retail life, I was like, I can't handle these fucking people anymore. <laughs> <laughs> when every time I'm in Costco. Because I, I go to Costco a decent amount. and uh, Same. Even when it's, like, not busy, which is the rarest shit no, of all time. No, it's still busy. Um, no matter where I am in the store, that also happens to be where the fuck everybody else is, too. It's like it's like uh, a school of fish. Yeah, everyone just goes at one fucking... Th- I'm, like, making these motions with my hands like these people can fucking see me. Yeah. But like, everyone just, like, flows through in a collection of people... And it's the absolute worst. And every time I'm in there, I'm just super frustrated. I can't get wait to get the fuck out of here and smoke like three cigarettes. I hate you guys. <laughs> it's stressful for sure. You know what? Actually, speaking of just kind of getting on topic, you know what? I love. I still love Costco. Like I still shop there and have a lot of homies there. Absolutely. You know what sucks about Costco though? They don't play music in there at all. And Neither does Target. And I didn't. Re- I didn't realize that until I read it. See, but like when you're at Target, you're only there for like ten minutes. Sure, I mean, when you're in Costco, it's like a fucking, that's an afternoon thing. I don't go to Target like, to grocery shop. No, I go to Target to get, like, socks and toothpaste. Yeah, or and then whatever I, the fuck. I also end up spending, like, $200 on other tight shit that I found. 
I get like uh, anxiety in, in Target because there's like if you go in the middle of the day, there's always like a hot like single moms in there. Yeah, and I'm like wine moms everywhere. All and the time. I'm just like I have to leave. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm gonna ask this lady on a date. No, not like that. But I just mean like it's like it's like uh, gives me like PTSD from working retail and like these people who would. Come. Oh, you're seeing like oh, you're probably a really unreasonable bitchy person and i don't want to be around you that's a high probability (laughs) (laughs) but uh it's like it makes me anxious that there's not music playing because i'd work these eight hour shifts which sure eight hours is a normal work day so it shouldn't feel long no but i would imagine being at costco for eight hours is very mentally taxing you have to take a half hour lunch so you're always there for eight and a half like you have to clock out for that if you're you know working eight hours so it's a fucking long day, and there's like the only time you listen to music is on your lunch break with your headphones on. Sure. So I was just like, it's just weird. Like, play something, even if I don't like it. Yeah, play like Jimmy Buffett or some shit. <laughs> Jimmy Buffett's probably tight if you're like drinking tequila. Sure. Hold on, my mom's here. Hi, mom. Oh, hey. Hi. I'm recording a podcast. Oh, sorry. It's okay. Okay, have fun. All right. <laughs> Sorry. Shout out Mel's mom. She uh she was just like coming in from church. She probably didn't know I was I was recording a podcast. Your mom always leaves the nicest, most encouraging comments on stuff. <laughs> Hold on one second. I'm just gonna make sure the door is good, okay? Word. Keep keep rolling. <laughs> um when we talked about energy, we talked about every time I die, we talked about Kanye West. Um I wouldn't imagine our list have a ton in common after that. Probably not, but you could just start running through a couple. Um, I got because we wanted to have like a four album minimum. Yeah. Oh, there's know that there's one more we're gonna agree on. But go ahead. Um, who do I? Uh, I wanted to talk about Bayside, but then I was like going through, and there is a couple of Bayside records that actually aren't as good as the others. So I'm not sure if I want to do that. For sure. But uh, shout out Bayside. They are a fantastic band who has like 40 albums and they are mostly all very, very good. But there's a couple of bummers in there that I wasn't crazy about. That happens. Oh, it's, it's incredibly inevitable. That's why we're talking about bands that have only good <laughs> records because it's rare. Well, the one I was going to just throw in real quick that I think you and I both are on the same page about is the story so far. Uh, yeah, the story. So they have four albums and they're all very, very different and they are all <coughs> like they got better and better and better and better. The interesting thing about the story so far is all four albums are the same five guys in the band, which is also rare. And they're all recorded by Sam Pura at Panda Studios. Yep. And they like they have a consistency to their sound, like sonically like their sound where it's like every record is different, but it still sounds like the story so far. Yes. But like Parker Cannon's voice is obviously what ties it together. Yeah. But what I really like about it is it's like, okay, his voice ties it together. It's still the same guys. But when I, fir- when I got into them with the first record, I talked, I met him a bunch. They were just a small band that was there. And I talked to him and I'd be like, yo, like you're doing this chord here and this. And these guys were into bands that I like too, like Third Eye Blind and Foo Fighters and these rock bands. And I told my brother, I go, dude, these guys are going to get out of the pop punk like stigma and they're going to become a big rock band and they've made a seamless transition that's super true 
you know, because like every album, it's like, okay, this is the style of the music. I'm writing about this. So it's like first one's a lot, like a lot about like girls and whatever college. Sure. Then the second one's still kind of pop punky, and he's he's singing about the same sort of stuff, but from the perspective of being on the road. The third one's like a total like I'm I hate myself like that one you just absolutely and then you know proper dose with the with the lean and all that and it's crazy because the third record a lot of people sleep on that's actually pretty true it doesn't it didn't do nearly as good as their other three and it's i know their albums get better and better as they go on but i want to say that like the self-titled album is probably my favorite here's the thing i I told somebody who was telling me they didn't like it from a objective standpoint I could understand if somebody said self-titled is the worst record out of the four. I could understand them saying that. Or their least favorite out of the four. Sure. But it's still better than most bands' best records. <laughs> That's true. It's like, because when you really dive into it, I can I get that it's not, it doesn't have the pop sensibility that the other three have in the music. Sure. But it's just like, damn, I'm bummed and I need to listen to this right now. Oh, yeah. It's a, that's the Big Guns record for them right there. That's like, I gotta pull this out. Everyone leave me the fuck alone. Yeah. I mean, Proper Dose too, but Proper Dose is one that like everybody loves. So it's like, everybody's like, well, we're bummed, but we're gonna be bummed together and throw a party and listen to this record. It's fucking, <laughs> it's fucking weird. Like, everybody loves that record. It's a great, great record. It, no, it is, but it's like weird how it's like normally when a record is a total bummer, you're like, I want to listen to this by myself. No, like that. That's a a sad party record. And then fucking he's singing, uh, you know, some I saw them play some of the songs off that record last year live, and like there's fucking thousands of people like crying together, and I'm like, this is weird. <laughs> like it was great, <laughs> but it was just weird. It's like uh, only the story I've so seen far. Dashboard. Dude, did you know Dashboard, um, Chris from Dashboard was in this other like pop punk band in high school? and The Vacant Andes? Yeah, and they went on the first tour with NFG. Mm-hmm. And like, I didn't know, I found that out recently. I was like, damn. That's sick. Like, fucking South Florida, man. Chris Caraba has had a fucking hell of a run. Yeah, well, I mean. I mean, well, like, duh, it's Chris Caraba, but like, he's... The first couple Dashboard albums are so fucking good. When they went, like, full band, like, I stopped really giving a shit. But uh, he's done some incredible shit. And he was the original singer for Further Seems Forever. Right. Who has four albums, and they are all fantastic. I know that that's your one of your... your... That's my my second favorite band of all time. I was going to say, we can get into that, but I was just going to say about uh, Chris Carava is, like, I understand, though, the Dashboard full band thing from his perspective of, like... I need to do this. Oh, sure. Like, yeah, I like, need I to. Can't, I can't just be this sad, skinny guy with a good haircut and acoustic guitar the rest of my so, life. So my brother. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, uh, I know I have friends like who will do solo stuff and like every now and then they got to do it full band. And, you know, despite what anybody thinks about it, it could be good or bad. It's like, yo, I just have to fucking play like and I get that. Like the fact that I haven't got to play music with at least like two other people really, really loud in months, it's like the shittiest thing that's ever happened. Yeah, it sucks. And like, even if it's not like 
productive or anything. It's just like, yo, I want to go in a basement and turn my amp up really fucking loud. And if you're listening to this in the way in the future, it's July of 2020, so we're still in our and we live in the United States of America where people can't put on a fucking mask for some reason in public. Um, regardless of when people are hearing this, we're going to be in the same boat because everyone is stupid and this is never going to fucking end. I saw this great post today, to, like showing you how masks work. If you both wear them, and it was like using peeing your pants as an example. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, I saw that. and I was like, oh, so that, well, it's like if you're wearing jeans, the guy pisses on you. It's like he, it's going to kind of deter it, but if he's wearing pants, you'll be fine. No. And I'm like, oh, well, yeah. Okay. But without without going off on some kind of fucking, you know, yeah. rant, I'm just. I mean, I could talk about that for days and how much everyone fucking sucks it just drives me crazy because i want to be able to play shows and you know mike my, my my lifestyle is very simple i don't live a lavish lifestyle i like going to shows i like playing shows i like going to hockey games and i fucking like going to i don't know like that's it so it's like the places i want to go i can't go because i don't they're not even open yet yo people are booking nope. shows though and they're nuts and I'm getting all these invites, like, for, uh, what's that, uh, Brower House and shit, I'm, like, always getting invites to places like that, and I'm like, fuck you guys, I'm not fucking going to that, you guys are all fucking idiots. That just is, like, to me, it's just irresponsible, it's, like, delaying the actual rest of the scene from getting to where we want to be. Right. It's, like, um, you have to be, I, I get everyone has a different perspective, and some people don't realize, it's, like how nuts everything is, but you have to be a little less selfish. You have to be incredibly less selfish and, if you want to do anything ever again. And our country looks really bad right now. but In every regard. You know, what the fuck can we do? No, that's why we're doing this over two... So like We're like eight miles apart doing this. Yeah, and it's fine. We're doing it. We are doing it, but like it's because the world is falling apart because everybody's stupid. But it's like my point is just like if you have to do stuff like that for a little while for it to get better, then just do it. Then fine. Like um, we have the everyone's technology. Doing, everyone's doing live streams and shit now. We watched the uh, the first of the three Underoath live streams mm. at Mikey's. Yeah. Um. Every band needs to watch that, and then either try to get to where they are or not do a fucking live stream because it was so <laughs> unbelievably good. You know, it's funny how like I told my brother, I go despite not being able to go or play shows or whatever you want to go to, we are the luckiest pandemic because we like the black plague and shit, they didn't have Wi-Fi. Fuck no, like, okay, I gotta be posted up at home for a couple months, like, okay, I got and an iPhone, I got a TV that I, I can stream anything on, Every like, single fucking artist is now a content creator, because they're stuck at home. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm gonna watch live sets, and I'm gonna watch Netflix, Hulu, or fucking Amazon Prime Video, or fucking the NBC one that's launched, like, you fuck. I, I learned how to become a better recording guy. Yeah. I learned pretty much almost entirely like I relearned everything I knew about recording and now everything I record I listen to it and I'm like wow you know, I'm this sounds really yeah, good I'm doing like, guitar builds and shit it's like being home with like what we like technology is not the worst thing to happen and I remember when it first started I had my phone and my TV and I'm like okay you know what I'm gonna buy a whole ass recording setup if I'm gonna be here for a while 
Yeah. And it ended up being really fucking tight, and it's a ton of fun, and I get a lot of shit done. I, like, took some money that I had and got some some plugins, you know, and I have a Helix mm-hmm. at home, and I'm just, like, going to town on writing songs and recording covers for fun and whatever the fuck, and it's just, like, I, I'm actually really appreciative because now that's a, a better skill set that I have. Oh yeah, and I've also listened. The only thing we can do. Listen to a ton of music, which I do anyway. But it's been nice. Sure. Um, I don't know if I have much to add to the story so far. I I could because I could talk about them all the time, but I don't think that a lot of people. If you if you like that band, I don't think you're gonna disagree, except for maybe the one album. And I encourage people to check it out. Self titled. But that's the other ones. One of the ones I have only has three full lengths, but those three full lengths are super, super good and super impactful for the genre that they're in, and that's the starting line. Yeah, the see, the thing with the starting line is, like, they kind of stopped being a full-time band. They do, like, a couple one-offs here and there every year. But they're so good. I saw them last year, and I was like, this fucking... <laughs> I saw them go on... I told you I saw them at Riot Fest right before Taking Back Sunday, and mm-hmm. they just made Taking Back Sunday sound like shit. I've seen Taking Back Sunday like 10 times, and they're just not a good live band. I see. I say that all the time. People are like, you're crazy. And I'm like, dude, I'm not trying to take away no, your nostalgia like, for their songs. The first just... time I saw Taking Back Sunday was in like 2003 when they were they were touring Tell All Your Friends and with Saves the Day and Monine. Because it was right when In Reverie came out. And they were awesome then. Yeah, but they were... Or, or I was just 15. Well, once, once uh, you know... You see them play fucking Tell All Your Friends in Full for the 15th time. It's like... They've been touring Tell All Your Friends in Full for 15 years. <laughs> I think like 17 years. Well, year did it come out? 03? Something like that? 02? I think it came out 2002 or 2003. But like they were doing like the Tell All Your Friends tour forever. I think they did the 10 year in 2013 or 2012. They haven't stopped doing it. <laughs> Dude, you know what's funny though? is like the starting line... Their albums are like consistent, but also different from each other. And Incre- like they are all, they all kind of grew in the same vein. Like they got, they progressed in a similar manner each album. But they have a great live sound for all of them. Like a consistent. They do. Like when I saw them, it was like I knew like okay, they're playing fucking like yeah, like Island doesn't sound like fucking something from the first record, but they're playing yeah. it and they have this kind of consistent live sound. I'm like man, this fucking band oh, sure. kicks ass. Because like their first records like. Like Dickie Shorts, Mesa, single EMG Strat, like yeah. pop punk. The fucking video there of their hit where the dude has the the radio, like the movie, yep. and you know the whole nine yards, and it's so good still. And it's like dudes with like puka shell necklaces and like Hollister t-shirts on, like playing pop punk octaves on everything and making it sound super melodic and great. Everything. That's one like because that came out in two thousand two, and I was like learning how to do octaves then and i'm like yeah constantly never gonna stop doing this and i haven't it's it's no surprise <laughs> to people that know me that i'm not a huge uh, real friends fan but when i saw them open for nfg um we're not they weren't the opener but like direct support for nfg uh they covered island and i was like oh cool they're covering like a really sick band and a really it's a really sick song but like their sound was weird because their amps were really loud like too loud, like the, the like guitars. So they had to put the vocal up way loud, and it was like getting distorted. So I was like hearing them like, <laughs> like they're singing starting line like that, and I'm like, okay, oh, this that's a bummer. This is kind of bumming me out because I'm stoked that you're 
covering this. It's not like I think it's weird that you don't like them though. It's just because they're a, a really, really, really good band. It's not like a thing where I'm like, fuck those guys. Like you shouldn't listen to them. It's more or less like a thing where I think people connect to them because of the lyrics more than anything. I think they're really big around here because it's because they're from they're, here. They're they're kind of they're from like an hour away. But it's weird that a band from that close to us became an actual band. No, yeah. right, but I just mean, like, I think, personally, like, a lot of people connect to bands, like, like pop-punk bands like that because of the lyrics. Yeah. And it's just not my thing. I'm pouring a shot. You're fine. It's not my thing. I drank, like, a whole bottle of Yeg last night, so I can't drink. Shout out Kirkland. Oh, nice. Yeah, for some reason. This is, like, the the Kirkland, like, uh, like Sailor Jerry. For some reason. This giant bottle of rum at Costco was nine bucks. <laughs> For for some reason, I hate black licorice, but I can just drink Jaegs like water. I hate black licorice, and I can absolutely drink Jaeger. But also admitting audibly that I can drink Jaeger feels shitty. I don't give a fuck, dude. I'll just drink it. <laughs> you drink it with the fucking you know. I had a Jaeger bomb last night for the first time in like five years, and I like didn't I did and I didn't smell cigarette smoke around me in a dark bar in downtown Crown Point, and I'm like I feel like I'm at the bar right now because that's what people just. Do. You want a shot? Sure, here. That's what they hand you. Here's a Jaeger bomb. No, I drink it because... Um, Anymore now, if someone's like, you want a shot? They give you fucking Fireball. I hate Fireball. And I mean, I don't like Fireball at all, but, but it's easy to drink. I, so I'll do it. I can't... I over... And that that uh, that uh peanut butter whiskey. Oh, it's so sweet. Brian brought some over last week. He's like, I got Screwball. And I was like, ah, f- all right. <laughs> I had a shot of Screwball and I chased it with grape soda. I was told to do that at a bar once, so I did. And like, it tastes like a peanut butter sandwich. And I'm like, you eat shitty peanut butter sandwiches. I got a really bad stomach ache from that. Um, but no. Yeah, that absolutely adds up. The thing is, I this is going to sound really weird. I've been on this like less drinking thing because of how much tequila or whiskey I would drink. So I've just been having like once or twice a week, I'll get some good beer. You know what I mean? But then sure. I want to drink fucking alcohol. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to drink either gin. Like I started drinking gin. Or, yeah. or like, Jaeger, and it's, like, because that's more of, like, that, like, fucking, uh, what's the fucking berry that they make that shit from, or the plant? Gin? Yeah. Juniper. Yeah, it's, like, supposed to be good for your stomach, like, digestion. Mm-hmm. And I'm, like, alright, because I was getting, my stomach was getting fucked up from, it wasn't just, like, whiskey gut, like, I was drinking it so much that, like, sure. like, you know, I just couldn't handle it anymore, like, physically. Like, I wasn't getting too hammered, and I wasn't being, like, an idiot, it's just, like, I would wake up the next day and be like, you know, so I'm like now either, you know, people say what they want about what I'm drinking, but they're probably right. Actually, it sucked. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. The first starting line record was like, it came out around Sticks and Stones, like that time period. Yeah. Oh, 203. And it was like, they got really big. Um. And that album got really big because it was really good. And, like, the starting line, cause if you don't put NFG in this same sentence because you can't. Yeah. Well, you can, but that would just, they would just overshadow everything. The starting line absolutely, like, paved the way for, like, bands like All Time Low and, like, Cartel and sure, yeah. all these other bands that got really, really big. And Say It Like You Mean It is... One of the most important pop punk records ever. I think people try to group the starting line in with like 
bands from that period, like Newfound or Yellow Card or whatever, or Bayside even. But Starting Line was actually, like you said, more of a precursor to like bands that were right before the neon pop punk thing. Yes. Because even though All Time Low gets grouped in as like a neon band, they were doing pop punk and they were dressing like with the swoopy hair emo thing way, but like during Fall Out Boy's Prime and stuff. Oh, for sure. So like people, I don't think people realize that because All Time Low got really big in like 2009, like huge. Oh yeah, but, they like did. four like, for super big, but like four years before that, they all just looked like, you know, they were like a warp tour band. Yeah, and it was sick. Early, I love early all time love. Me too. It's like, it reminds me a lot of like early state champs. Like that's why I got into old state mm. champs. But like state, Ch- they're a different band. But like how it's like the guy's got a great voice, but they're still like D beats and stuff. Remember, I was at fucking Tavern on Main a couple months ago, and I'm like sitting at the bar, and I look across, and the singer from State Champs is there, and I'm like. Look at him like there's no way that's dude. Him. So I Google them and I'm like, oh shit, yeah, that is fucking. My him. life is so weird. Like when when stuff like that happens, and I'm like, obviously these people aren't huge celebrities because MTV doesn't exist and pop punk guys are just whatever now. But it's still bizarre. Like my brother plays fucking PlayStation with the drummer from the Devil Wears Prada like every day. Tired. And like then we went to the gas station and I was getting like a goddamn like protein bar and like a smart water and there's this dude who's talking the two cashiers are talking about the devil wears prada and i'm like i'm not gonna say anything but i was just like because steve's with me and i'm like i'm like life is so bizarre that is really bizarre but that's just how you know wh- but i remember like looking at him and i'm like what the fuck are you doing here and i'm like oh abg is up the street this is absolutely why you're here but it's weird that abg became this like hot spot I mean, good for... Like, he's doing so well, and it's really cool, but, like, he's, like, in in that sector of music, and, like, he's, like, a superstar. Let me, me, like, put it like this. It's not weird, because I know that Seth does a great job. It's weird, because to us, Asteria were, like, a great band, but we knew them because they were from Crown Point. But they're not, like... It's not like, oh, the singer of all time low started a studio. Like... Seth built that fucking studio from the ground up. Like, from the ground up by his goddamn self and, like, did it all. Like, local bands or bands that they toured with would go there because it's like, oh, it's the guys from Asteria. But, like, these... Dude, like, State Champs did a record with the Madden Brothers. Right. Like, (laughs) that's a fucking, like, fucking huge... Speaking of the Madden Brothers, this is completely off topic, but how sick would it be to be the lead singer of a band and the guy who harmonizes with you is your fucking twin brother? I'm almost there. Word. <laughs> but instead of harm, like they, it's like having, getting to harmonize with yourself. So yeah. the harmonies are just so rich and perfect. That's fucking bullshit that they get to do that. That's not fair. Steve and I have similar sounding voices. Yeah, that's very true. But the difference is, I sing and he screams. But if you notice on like new mistake stuff and stolaway stuff, both of our voices get way up in register. Like. I, a lot of people didn't know I was singing on my own stuff. Not because it's great or anything, but they're just like, oh, like it get, like you get up there, but you don't have a super high voice. No, like if I didn't like know you like I know you and I heard that song, I'd be like, who is that? Who, who did you get to sing on that? That's because like Tony said that. He was like, oh, who's singing on that with you? And then I was like, no one. He's like, you did like the harmonies and stuff too because the harmonies are kind of low. And I'm like, I don't have incredible range, but my voice sits right in the mid range. So I can get a little high or a little low, but I can't like fucking shoot it up or get like fuck. I don't have like a 
you know, range like the fucking guy from Boys Like Girls or whatever the fuck. <laughs> that dude, dude, that dude's <laughs> range was nuts. That's very true. No way. They're like the epitome of neon. They're weird though because I feel like they like shouldn't have been because they're playing in like open D tunings and like whatever. Were they really? Yeah, they're like a really like I think that they wanted to be in like the eighties. Who the fuck doesn't? Well, that's true. If I was in the eighties, I feel like I'd be in a band that sounds like the police. Or I'd be in a band that sounds like Black Flag. I would probably like wanna um be in a band where like I don't care what band it is, but where the snare just has tons of reverb on it because it was the eighties, the, the whole eighties. Like I, any band. actually no, I lied. <laughs> I'd want to be in Tears for Fears. That's the that's reverb, right? But I'm saying that's like the best, <laughs> probably the best eighties group because they're so good. I have like two or three more, but I feel like getting super into them is going to take forever because they have huge catalogs. I got like um a couple more that I might want to mention. What do you got? So, so I got Smashing Pumpkins on my list, but here's the thing. Sure. Smashing Pumpkins are one of those bands where like a lot of people like Melancholy or Siamese Dream because they're like classic rock albums. Yeah. But like I'm a huge Smashing Pumpkins fan. I know, and I know. Sorry, Ashley. I know she fucking hates this Billy Corgan's voice. Sorry, but really, yeah. But uh, oh. But the thing about them is, I love all their albums, but they're all like a fucking art piece. So you can't like casually be like, oh, I'm gonna put on some Smashing Pumpkins. Like you gotta like sit down. It's like preparing a meal. Sure. So sure. it's like a different listening experience, but it there's a lot of payoff to it. Like I've listened to a lot of Smashing Pumpkins in my life just because they've been around. Yeah, like yeah. I remember like being on the school bus in like second grade, and the bus driver would have Q101 on and shit. Like Smashing Pumpkins were just always around. Q101 um, is yeah, of course. Mel- melancholy. It's cool because it's like this long ass double disc crazy record with this beautiful art, and it's for sure my favorite Pumpkins album, definitely. But the early Pumpkins with like the the super high gain, like rich ass harmonic riffs and stuff, like that's fucking cool. Before, uh, besides like uh, counting vinyl, CD, tape, whatever, I have like fifty Pumpkins records. <laughs> that's um, cool. But yeah, like you know, they have the 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 variety in their catalog where like Gish is like slamming solos and high gain kind of. Then later in the door, it's like a super bummer record because his mom died and he got a divorce. Like, yeah, it's awesome. Um, the new stuff I like, but the other two artists I have two. You just said his mom died and he got a divorce. That's awesome. No, the record's <laughs> awesome. I mean, I know what you meant. Yeah, just the way no, it came it, out, I was like, sucks. "Fuck yeah. you." <laughs> well, this is what you said the same thing earlier about Kanye. That that's like he, yeah, it's the exact same situation. But, but uh, <laughs> the fucking the other two I have are John Mayer. Yo, good call. I'm a huge fucking John Mayer fan. Um, like ridiculously huge, but people probably don't. And know. like, I don't like the the cool guy blues John Mayer, like John Mayer trio and shit, just because I fucking hate blues. But like the girly ass, like pop John Mayer, like the the J Crew John Mayer. I fucking love that shit. See, the thing for me with John Mayer is I think I, or I love pop punk, but I hate a lot of lyrics in pop punk. John Mayer actually writes songs where I relate to the lyrics because he just writes about having anxiety all the time and being like, not like anxiety, like where it's like blatant, like pop punk shit, but just being like, I don't like myself and I know I should. And I'm like, oh, word, like, I, like word. he has songs where it's like, I talk too much and I ruin everything because of my stupid ass mouth. And I'm like. 
oh yeah that's i do that so i'm like oh i like this music because the music's rad and he's singing about stuff that i get so i love the like first john Mayer record probably the most um room for squares continuum is probably my favorite i love continue continuum might be the best one but like then i really like uh i think heavier things is way fucking overlooked because it's got it absolutely some is. amazing songs and guitar tones and stuff. But then, like, I even like, like, fucking Born and Raised and shit, where he kind of is... Born and Raised has that one song. Um, what was the first single off of Born and Raised? Uh, Queen of California, maybe? Or No, so- maybe the second single. Something though. Like Olivia? Wildfire. Wildfire. No, is that's on um, the one after it, I think. Is it? The Wildfire, I think, is on the one where he's, like, in the field with his dog and, like, the... You're right, it is on that I album. I don't know why the, but, uh, the record name's Escape as far as, I have it on vinyl right here. As far as John Mayer's singles go, that song is unstoppable. It oh. is an incredible song. And that's the thing about John Mayer is like, so you, even you say you don't like the blues stuff, but Continuum, it's like... It's bluesy as fuck. It's bluesy as fuck, but he does it in a way where he's not like... It's not like bar, for, you know, like, oh, I'm going to the bar and listening to these old guys. It's like, he's still... No, it's like pop sensible blues. Right, so it's great because you don't have guys playing guitar like that. But, like, his poppiest record, he has fucking Neon on. And nobody can fucking play Neon because it's impossible. I've tried to play Neon before. Me too. Uh, Josh Reedy can play Neon. I mean, I know, like, two people who can play it really well. But when I play it... Isn't it in... Sta- like, it's in standard tuning, but the C. E is in C. Yeah, it's a low C with your thumb. So it's like... You know, fuck that. I tried to play that once, and like I may- maybe got like five minutes into this, and I'm like, fuck this song, and I absolutely stopped. The uh, Yeah, so to me... Because uh, I have one more I want to add, but John Mayer is like one of those guys who you can go to these different... Visit these different albums, and they have different overtones and stuff, but they're all amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other person, this is going to be a weird one, but uh, I was going to throw in Mac Miller. I didn't like Mac Miller um, probably until like a month ago. I just told you this the other yeah. day. Um, I th- Well, because Ashley's always, always playing Mac Miller. Yeah. And like it just, it took a while to like get into it, but he was really fucking good. Um, the thing for me with Mac Miller is when you think of the time are my my people are yelling over there is it getting picked up into my mic can you hear people i mean i can, I can hear it on your phone mic but that's not what is getting recorded you're using your blue and it's a condenser so i severely doubt no it but it's I, so i'm just saying that to you so subtle i apologize if you hear people yelling i, I don't give okay. it i don't give a shit anyways um mac miller got popular i'm i'm the same age as mac miller so when you put into perspective, you're a little older than Mac Miller now. No, he's nine. Well, now, yeah, that's come kind of mean, but he's nine months. Uh, I know. If I really wish I hadn't. But said he's that. he was born nine months before me, so he's like January '92. I'm September. So like he, I think would have graduated the year before me. But yeah, we're like in that same age group. So you got to think when he's getting popular, I'm a senior in high school. Right. So I'm kind of like in my own world of playing. I was in a metalcore band and all this stuff. So I like I heard it and I'm like, oh, all right, like this is cool. But I'm like, yeah, it's frat rap, whatever. But the thing, it's, it was his always shit's very frat. But rap. the thing, the reason I it's like Asher Roth. But the reason I really connect with it, there's two reasons. He's from Pittsburgh, where's my family's from. Word. So a lot of Mac Miller references, I know it's like stuff you wouldn't get unless you know the area. 
and right. they're very subtle, like things about certain streets or restaurants or neighborhoods. Um, does a lot of Pittsburgh geography, but like if I, my dad doesn't fucking listen to Mac Miller, but if I'm like, dad, tell me about Frick Park Market, he'd be like, oh yeah, we used to go down there and blah, 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 because my dad grew up there. So it's like, I have that connection. And the other thing too, is just being around the same age and, and suffering from a lot of the same, like ways you feel like same thing with John Mayer, just like how you feel about yourself, like introspective. Absolutely. John Mayer and Mac Miller write a lot of emo shit. True. So when Mac Miller fucking gets to swimming and I'm listening to this record and he's playing guitar on it and shit and it's like sad as hell but then he starts rapping and I'm like oh my god this is so good but I didn't really get into it until recently like a little like a little re- more recently where I dove into it and I was like no like this is actually really good. like I was always like yeah this is fine but I wasn't like listening to it actively Sure but all his records are No I've been listening to him pretty heavily for the last like Three weeks or so. Sick, so fucking good. Like, and this dude was twenty six. He did uh <laughs> he did some work with uh with Flying Lotus. Yeah. And at the time, I was like, only listening to like this brain feeder kind of stuff, like Flying Lotus and like Aslam Killer and shit. That's like all I was listening to. And uh, I was really bummed. I'm like, Flying Lotus, like, why are you working with this fucking frat rat bullshit? Like, fuck you. Yeah. But I like revisited that stuff not long ago, and it's so fantastic. And the thing about Mac Miller, too, with, like, the frat rap thing is, I think, you know, he was very young when he started. Yeah. You know, I mean, still in high school. And um, he grew up really quick because he... he oh, you have to in that, I mean, in that situation. I mean, he was still doing drugs and stuff like that. But, I mean, like, as far as, like, the frat rap stuff goes, like, um, he, he really... You know, by his second full length, because he's got mixtapes everywhere in between. They're like, oh yeah, which are great. But by the second full length, it's already experimental and all this shit. I'm like, wow, like, you know, he didn't waste time trying to impress anybody. So I, I think like I, and another thing too is where a lot of his beats weren't him early on. He's a great, pro- he was a great producer, and he plays guitar, he plays drums. He plays bass, he plays keyboards, he makes his own samples, he rips vinyl for his own... Like, I, I mean, that's the same thing like Kanye, you know what I mean? Kanye doesn't play guitar and stuff, but... Like, Mac used to bring out a guitar and he'd play three or four cover songs live. Like, he'd play, like, Weezer and Oasis and shit. So, I mean, I think I just, like... I like that he has that connection to his music. It's not just, like... He, you know, he's, he's talked about, like... I could just fucking get a beat and slap some, you know, a lot of verses on it and call it a day, but that's not me. Like, I got to feel it. And I'm like, ah, I respect that. So, yeah, anybody else you want to you wanna go off on your list? Uh, I got No Use for a Name and Beastie Boys and Kendrick Lamar. I feel like the only one that's not going to take, like, two hours to talk about is Kendrick Lamar. But he's got four albums that's- out. Even though, one, like, Untitled Unmastered is, like, b-sides and like raw gritty shit that like might not have been a thing but it was fantastic but like to pimp a butterfly and damn and good kid mad city are some of the best hip-hop records made in the last 25 years it's definitely something that i have to listen to more of i mean i'm totally familiar with kendrick lamar but i haven't got dove in that much i'm not a huge you know i'm not like super into hip-hop like you are sure i should be more like but i'm just always it's it might be a, a bold thing to say but i absolutely will put kendrick lamar in the category of like the top five greatest rappers of all time see like it doesn't surprise me a lot of people actually think he's not maybe not i mean maybe not say that but a lot of people say great things about him so he's incredible and like the beastie boys have 
like 200 years of albums and they're all phenomenal every fucking single one of them is good totally totally agree with the beastie boys again another band who would make their own music yeah and then they're a band and they made like they covered like four or five different genres yeah absolutely i mean i think beastie boys are um really a lot more important than people give them credit for just as an influential oh my god yeah and they're influential in hip hop and like punk rock and hardcore and like in like the mid nineties they did like this jammy lo fi instrumental like vibey lounge record of just like with like upright bass and keys and drums and shit on it. Like it's so they're so fucking incredible. Uh I'm gonna throw in a random Beastie Boys related fact. One of my bands in high school or maybe I was just graduated high school. We played a show and we covered Fight for Your Right. And we split up the vocal part between three of us. It was sick. That's really cool. And like people, they had a big crowd, so people went off. It was cool. Um, no Use for a Name is a band that I love. Uh, Sky Point. Well, actually, two Sky Points between Beastie Boys and No Use for a Name. True. Sky Point, MCA. Yep. And Sky Point, Tony Sly. Those were um, like the only two times. Well, I don't want to say that, but like. Most of the time when a celebrity dies, I'm just like, oh, bummer. But, like, I mean, they weren't my friend. It's a bummer. But, like, this doesn't affect me a ton. But, like, when Tony Sly and MCA died, I was, like, fucked up for, like, a couple weeks. Yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely, like, usually it doesn't affect me that much. Um, I was bummed out about Kobe. I don't, like, but that was I'm not even sports. a sports guy by any means. Yeah. I, don't, I, like, I like basketball for sure. And I, I specifically really like 90s basketball. And he's been around forever. Like, he turned pro when he was, like, fucking eight years old or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah right. And that was, like, a big deal. Because, like, when you think of basketball, like, the three greatest basketball players of all time are Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant. And he died, and it was fucking super I, I heavy. One of the most miserable parts is too, like how he died and they died with his daughter and stuff. It's so fucking crazy. Um, but like with Tony Sly, like with with no use, I mean that's just a band who um, should have probably been bigger. Absolutely, because they had like <coughs> sensible pop music that wasn't like overly abrasive. It was catchy. It was like formulaic. They could have been like. When, like, uh, Dude Ranch era Blink was as big as it was, oh, No yeah. Use for a Name could have been right there, too. And No Use had a really good, like, knack for, like, they have consistency, but their records all sound different. Like, you know, like, Lich Con Carne is, like, darker, and then they have some that are more poppy and some that are, like, more, like, a lot of big guitars, and there's always good hooks. So I think I, I, it's not, like, groundbreaking music, no, but it's th- very It's good. not groundbreaking, right? Because they were just a melodic skate punk band. They just did it better than everyone, and they did it consistently for so fucking long. Definitely up there with Lagwagon for, like, best fat record bands. No Use is the, absolutely the best fat wreck band all day. I know Eric might have other things to say about that because he likes fat wreck the way we like drive through. But uh, I mean, I mean, I like a lot of those bands because to me, Dude Ranch is like a, my one of my favorite Blink records, and it's not a obviously they weren't on fat, but that's like it's the same a, vibe. But but that's the best like record of that genre to me of that kind of skate punk. Absolutely, like my. 
or my favorite at least. So then I'm like, oh, well, I like Dude Ranch. So like when I was a kid, I'm like, well, I like Lagwagon, and I like No Use, and I like No Effects, and I like fucking, you know, you name it. So I, I was, I, I think that that's just kind of one of those bands where I have a, a connection with too. So I'm like, oh, this is fucking, this is so good. Every I listen to three. It's funny because you brought that up to me that day a couple days ago. And I fucking listened to like three of their records and like one, two, three. As soon as I woke up, I'm like, oh, I'm listening to No Use today. That's crazy how that worked. And, uh, but it's also there. not super crazy that we'll, we would be on a similar wavelength of something and not even discuss it. Oh, for sure. I think the only other uh, the only other person that I had on my list, just because I didn't want to list too many artists, I did have Liz Fair on there. Word. I'm a really big Liz Fair fan, and I think um, her albums are all different. But I think that it's important that I got into her because I'm like I'm a guy, and she has a very like strong feminist absolutely perspective. And I think because of like this is gonna sound weird, but especially when you're a younger guy, you don't think about a lot of that stuff. But when you hear, and sometimes like a lot of like stupidly, a lot of dudes won't listen to like you know music because it's like oh that's for chicks or whatever. Sure, which is like fucking just this pathetic like hyper masculine bullshit. Right, but I think Liz Fair having a really great like kind of guitar sound and a great voice and catchy songs. Yeah. I was like, I like this, and then I like get into the lyrics, and I'm like, wow, like there's a lot to fucking oh yeah unfold here. But it kind of helped me become a better like have a better understanding of things that I need to understand. Sure, like it's like and how uh sh- like I'm really 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 into Lauren Hill. Okay, and uh. I mean, she talks a lot about being a woman. She talks a lot about specifically being a black woman. And it, like, sure. well, can yeah. give you perspective on things that, like, being a white dude, you're like, oh, I've never had to go through that. And that's fucking shitty. Um, and I think, yeah. I think that's important because a lot of the most popular black artists that, like, white dudes listen to are rappers. Absolutely. And some of them will talk about racism, but I don't think that you get the full spectrum. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and it's hard for us because all we can do is listen. So I think when it's put into a um, whatever the issue is to, to become a better ally and to be a list good listener, it's like, well, hey, we're gonna give you this really great music, but you gotta, you gotta, you do have the to work, like d- digest what I'm saying and fucking figure it out. But it's here for you, which is really and cool. I think that. So I think like that's why Liz Fair is on my list. It's just like, yeah, all her records are good and they sound different. But I'm like, actually, I hold her as a very important. I mean. Granted, there are definitely some songs in there that are just like, you know, horny on main, but like, <laughs> you know, we we love those songs. Sure. But yeah, like shout out Liz Fair. Um, I'd like to see her live, but I can't go to that fucking tour because it's canceled because of COVID. Well, it might come back around, but that that's a once in a lifetime ass tour. Like that's a big deal. Fucking, I want to go see Butch Vig play drums. <laughs> that- fucking shout out Garbage. Um, I remember when I was really little and I had the, I don't know if it was the first record, but I had a garbage cassette. It was like pink feathers and a black G. Yeah. Oh, it's one of the first or second. Fucking so sick. I was like eight or nine and I had that shit. It's so tight. That tour's nuts because Alanis Morissette's still bonkers huge. Yeah. Good like for her. like, yeah, Alanis Morissette's sick. I have her first record on CD. The one that has like Spyro the Dragon ass guitar riffs. <laughs> And uh, like with a bunch of like with like a bunch of phasers on it and stuff, yeah. and that record is so good. It's so good front to back. Where are we at time wise right now? We're about an hour thirteen, but there's some bullshit in the beginning. Oh, so we're enough. like we can wrap. We can. Yeah. We can probably close up here. Um, 
overall, um, of all the bands we talked about on the list, obviously the one that's the most important to me is going to be NFG, just because it's that's who I am. Sure. Um, and there's there, we probably missed a decent amount of bands that have no bad albums, but it's a really it's super subject, subjective. Um, it's it's a hard topic to cover, but I also think we uh, we did pretty solid on it. I would go on the record saying that this isn't like a quintessential list. It's not remotely quintessential. Just, it is completely relative. It was just like a few of our picks so we can dive into the important aspects of the songs and the albums. And it was yeah. really just to generate some conversation because um, we are two people who are completely off the scale attention-wise. And like, Yeah. <laughs> And I don't mind that we talked about like Costco and whatever. No, it's else, but, I mean that's gonna happen every every show. But but if we didn't have some type of topic and schedule, like people would like I mean let's just put it this way. This didn't this wasn't planned as buttcast too. Well, like it's crazy because like we've recorded other podcasts, like probably like what, three or four? And even though this was kind of scatterbrained that did go off the rails a couple times, it was by a landslide the most orchestrated one for sure. It's like com- <laughs> fucking comprehensive. So that was the one that we, was cool. One we did with Ashley there, we just stopped like recording and we just shot shit for four hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was cool. Um, otherwise, I was just gonna say, uh, you know, do your best, wash your hands, wear a mask in public. If you don't um, have to go somewhere, don't fucking go there. Yeah, don't don't go somewhere if you don't have to go there. Be respectful towards others and, uh, you know, like, just be a good person. It's not that fucking hard. No. I mean, if we can do it. Like, we're idiots and we nail it. Yeah. I mean, I, if I do anything, it's good. It's wearing the mask because I'm ugly. <laughs> I don't even mind. Like, I put it on. I'm like, oh, y'all can't even see my fucked up ass teeth. Like, this is tight. <laughs> yeah right so cool i think uh if you listen to this all the way through shout out but yeah um, it was fun shout out nate for uh taking care of all this and putting it out for us and being cool um we're gonna have Word. shit up uh ideally weekly bi-weekly at the most but uh yeah this is tight cool and uh any recommended listening or reading read uh i'm an idiot and don't know how to read um okay currently what am I listening to right now? Uh, the new uh, the new end record is really really good. Yeah, new end record is sick for sure. Um, it's uh, actually that's all I can think about just because I have to pee super bad right now. <laughs> Word. All right. Well, peace. Thanks for listening to um, our podcast, and we'll see you next time. All right. Take it easy, y'all.